You're listening to Legends Cast, a podcast about the cards, the meta, and the community of Legends of Runeterra. This episode is supported by listeners like you. To become a supporter of Legends Cast, visit patreon.com slash legendscast. Let's do this. Hello and welcome to Legends Cast, a podcast about the cards, the meta, and the community of the Legends of Runeterra. My name is Mark and I am one of your co-hosts here at Legends Cast. And with me tonight, I have the dead broke nerd, although progressively less broke. Um, less broke now. Less broke. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. Yeah, uh, I'm ready to be moving into the... Uh, the the dead medium income nerd uh stage of my life i'm i'm really ready for that the well, the dead stable nerd we'll, we'll go with that <laughs> as you approach 30 ramen noodles or chips and salsa seems a lot less appealing as a meal hey listen i just had ramen tonight you watch your mouth. <laughs> well, sometimes I said we're you... getting there. Not we're... that we're there yet. <laughs> we're we're well, we're on our way though. We're on our, we're on Almost our way. Financial stability. Yeah, <laughs> growing up, growing up, growing up. <laughs> well, uh, oh, DBN and I have lots to talk about tonight because we had a big patch come through with a lot of adjustments to cards that we're seeing a lot of play in the meta. And, uh, well, whatever the meta is, as we're going to talk about tonight, it's been ever-changing. There has been some fuss on Twitter in the gaming community. We're going to talk about that a little bit. Um, and uh, and just our thoughts on the game as it is right now. But before we dive into all that, um, DBN, how has your week in Runeterra been? Um, yeah, so, okay, I'll preface this by saying the last two days I didn't get to play at all which 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 was sucky i was i was really bummed because i was trying to get home and get some games in and it i just i mean i just couldn't um just had too much going on but i actually played a lot over the weekend uh and monday and tuesday i played a good amount and i've been having so much fun uh with this uh deck that i've been playing it's a uh ionia noxus yasuo kind of stun control you know i it's it is it's definitely control um you know but it feels closer to like elder scrolls legends mid-range so like mm -hmm. i actually this is something i was actually thinking about bringing up is you know defining like redefining control and mid-range and aggro in legends of runeterra because it's going to be different than how you look at it in something like uh hearthstone or uh elder scrolls or gwent or something like that like you you do kind of have to redesign how you think about those broad archetypes. And I think I saw Charmer and Silverfuse discussing it on Twitter, and I thought they had a really good interaction there. And I, I, I didn't see all of it. It probably went further than I read. But they were talk, kind of talking about, like, you know, in this game, um, mid-range, uh, at least this was the theory put forth, the mid-range is really more like tempoing out, like curving out traditionally. Right. Whereas like mid range in like Elder Scrolls Legends, which, you know, as our listeners know by now, is kind of our major background. Uh, like Elder Scrolls Legends, like your mid range decks could play that way, but more often it would be you kind of have this blend of early game reactivity, even if that's on creatures, but you have the more reactive early game and the more proactive, you know, mid to late game. Uh, and, and so like I think that 
if this Yasuo deck de definitely reminds me more of mid range in Tessel, but it's definitely control in comparison to the rest of uh, the rest of the decks I'm playing against. So it, it's just really unique. There's a lot of lines in it. I definitely feel like I it's my play style. Uh, it fits my playstyle really well, which frankly I kind of hadn't found yet in Runeterra. And it just it's so different and fun. And, and I haven't seen anyone else playing it. And so I just it just definitely feels like something that's just really clicking for me. And I'm winning so many games with it. It's awesome. Yeah, I mean, one of the nice things about Legends of Runeterra right now is that there is a tremendous oh, amount of I, space. I missed that there. You cut out on me a little bit. Oh, no, I'm, I'm sure so you sorry. you didn't cut out on OBS. But... Uh, no, I don't think so. What I was saying is one of the nice things is, is there is so much space for experimentation right now in Legends of Runeterra um, that you can kind of confidently homebrew and deck build right now, wherein a lot of other card games, you can't always do that. Um, but there's so much that's been undiscovered and unplayed with and sort of like um, hasn't been matched up against everything, right? Like the sample size for so many of the decks that are popular right now is still really small. Like it's not a huge sample size. And so, you know, you get these sort of off meta decks that you can you can sort of get in there and mess around with and it can do things you know, maybe you didn't expect it to be able to do, or you don't know. I've run into a lot of that, I think, uh, over this past week, which is just sort of like slightly off meta stuff that I didn't really know exactly how to respond to. I wasn't exactly sure what their, what their plan was. And when yeah. I got done, whether I won or lost, I was like, man, that was really cool. I kind of want to figure out what that deck was and mess around with that. Cause I haven't like, I don't, it just seems like there's a lot of mechanics that I thought at first glance were just not good. And now I'm sort of like seeing them getting messed around with a little bit. And I'm like, wow, actually in that context, like with these, these couple of cards, it actually is pretty good. Um, and that's been fun. Like I, I've really enjoyed that sort of being surprised by decks at times on the ladder. Yeah. That's been cool. Oh, for sure. I don't feel like I've played the same deck multiple times in a row since the patch. Um, which is really cool to say that like, and again, I mostly, since the patch, I've mostly just played like today. Like I was fortunate enough uh, to get off work um, a little bit early because right now we're actually having some weather uh, down here in Virginia. Um, and so, you know, got off work an hour early, got sent home. You know, I watched a movie, uh, but then I just jumped on the last couple hours I've been playing. Uh, so, you know, um, it has been really cool to see like a lot of different decks and just different approaches ran into some Teemo, which I, if I'm to understand from our uh, discord uh, is, is getting more popular and, and kind of, kind of buck wild, which is hilarious to me. Uh, so, you know, yeah, like I, I'm enjoying the meta from the perspective of, you know, what right now is a little, a little bit more of a casual approach, admittedly uh, more casual than I, I normally am, but uh it also has been blended by the fact that I've been working really hard at learning and like teching and adapting this Yasuo deck. Like this is the this is like the first deck I've been really like putting a lot of time into testing and developing and really trying to kind of wrap my full head around how I need to play it, not just 
in its game plan, but also reacting to different enemy game plans. You know, what mulligans do I keep against different factions, stuff like that. So I, I've been just, yeah, I, I like where the game's at right now. I, you know, there's a lot of grumpiness, I think, amongst some people who don't really like the way Legends of Runeterra works. And, and you know, I, I couldn't do anything. It didn't really make me mad. I just kind of shook my head and said, you know, it, it's just such a different game. I, it's not for everyone. And that's okay, you know? Yeah, there has been some grumpiness this week. There's been <laughs> yeah. some... There has been some grumpiness this week um from some people who i don't know i i don't know i some people who i haven't heard but i know came from some people who came from a hearthstone world where you heard over and over again complaints about changes not coming quickly enough and teams not communicating clearly enough and i then i i've heard a few i've heard from a couple of sources just not being really happy with how quickly things changed. And I'm just like, well, um, you know, and I, I, I understand, like, I understand. And, and it wasn't just like an individual, right? There was a couple of people who I've sort of like, you know, I'm tuning into streams and stuff, but I'm like, why well, I, I feel like the changes and the swiftness of changes to this is to keep us always guessing. So there isn't really quote unquote a solved meta potentially which you know we can get into let me but like before i get into all that, let me just tell you this week in legends of runeterra i had very little time to play we were gone all weekend long my wife and i uh, along with my family all went up to a cabin for four days so friday saturday sunday we got back monday evening um we're just gone all all four days really and i didn't have any time like i got enough time to jump on monday night and play a couple of ai games to clear some quests um, but barely made it to level 10 um, in order to get or my level 10 chest or whatever. Um, but one cool thing that did happen this week, well, two cool things is one, I hit rank silver one, which was exciting. Mm, so nice. um, ground out to silver one, which was which was great. So I'm going to try to grind up to gold. Um, I'm gone another two or three days this weekend at a conference, so I won't get a chance over the weekend, but hopefully the beginning of next week, grind out to gold. And then the other thing that happened is I got uh, an epic capsule reward from uh, like the Ionia rewards line or whatever. And I didn't know, I think this is true because I'm like 90% sure this is what happened, right? Like my entire capsule upgraded because I know I got an epic chest or epic capsule and it upgraded to a champion capsule. And then... So yeah, I was going to get a champion and then my epic card in my champion capsule also upgraded to a champion. So oh I went from Lord. getting it. I went from getting an epic capsule to two Shens. I got two copies of Shen. That's not I fair. Know, I know. It was so Come cool. On, man. It was so cool. I'm so sorry. It was so lucky and it was, it was so nice. Um, So nice. And then I got a, I got my level, I don't know, 10 or whatever champion capsule um, yes, no, this morning, the, the champion capsule and my champion capsule upgraded instead of getting a champion, I got a champion wild card so I can craft any champion that I want, which is great. So not to, not to, I don't want to brag too much because we all know but you're, you're your luck. To. We all know your luck when it comes to opening packs or anything that could be random. But you it still felt haven't gotten a random champion yet. Oh no, <laughs> it felt good. So I got a couple of shens to play around with. I haven't built a deck with them in it yet, but I would like to. 
I would like yeah. to. I did get decimated by a Shen deck, a uh, Shen Fiora deck this uh, this week though. Um, that was like, okay, I don't have any Fioras yet, but now I want to I want to craft some because I want to toy around with that. Because um, the Shen Fiora deck was pretty cool. It was frustrating to lose to, but it was like it was kind yeah. of in, it was kind of intriguing um, to I've see. Seen, yeah, I've seen it, Shen and Fiora together a few times. Yeah, yeah, I didn't I haven't I run didn't into it. as much Fiora, but now I think I have like Fiora like uh just so like okay so here's the thing i totally shouldn't because normally it shows you what champions your opponent has so i would know if yours in it right sure but sometimes i'm not paying attention to that which is bad but sometimes i'm like doing other things or like i'm queuing for a game and i'm sending out an email uh anyone who any of my friends who play apex legends with me know that like when i'm playing i'll be like all right we're queuing great and then I go send an email or like edit a video or, you know, text somebody like I just that downtime. I use it. I don't just like look at the loading screen, <laughs> which means sometimes when you come back to it, you've, you 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 get to the mulligan and you're like, OK, great time to mulligan. But then you're like, oh, man, I, I didn't I didn't get to see. Oh, shoot. What am I playing against? champions there? And I almost kind of wish that the champions would be present in the mulligan screen. <laughs> Just to benefit you Just because you don't want to watch so the much. loading screen. It's so it's not a genuine, it's not a complaint. It's just a boy, would that be a patch that helps, <laughs> helps me. <laughs> <laughs> that would be, that would be something nice Cheer for me selfish. personally. I can't pay, <laughs> yeah. I can't pay attention. So that would be nice. I would really like that. Oh, <laughs> well, as soon as we get in the game, I'm I'm dialed in, man. But you know, that I can't be sitting there waiting for a match. I gotta I gotta shoot off a text or I gotta go and check an email, you know. I get a lot of emails, so like I try to check them as I go so they don't pile up, you know. Oh, I hate I hate that. I hate the yeah. I have an iPhone, the red numbers. I can't deal with them. Yeah. Gotta clear them. Gotta that's neither here nor there. The other thing that happened <laughs> cool this week in video games is I uh, I've been grinding uh, teamfight tactics, and um, it, you know it's connected to the to Riot's universe. Um, it's an auto chess game. If you're unfamiliar, the Riot verse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. The Riot cinematic universe. Well, they would need movies. Well, they'll 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 get there. They don't probably get, will. They, okay, I shouldn't sell them short. They'll, they'll get movies. <laughs> um, but I hit I hit. I'm surprised uh, they I'm surprised they don't have an anime film already. You know, they're I'm. You know, they do shorts. Every time they announce a new champion and stuff, they're shorts. Okay. They yeah. they did like a short video this year for the, the announcement of the new season that I watched that was really, really, really cool, actually. It was like really, really well done. Um yeah. but anyway, I've been grinding some out on, on Team Fight Tactics recently, and I hit platinum one on Team Fight Tactics as well. Mm. Um, which which felt pretty good. And uh that that was that was uh that was a lot of fun. And then Pokemon uh, came out with the uh, the new Pokemon Home app service that allowed you to integrate like basically everything that you've caught in every game if you had transferred them up through the painstaking process in the past, which I had, and getting them all in one place. So now I'm I'm working on finishing my refinishing my living decks in the, in the latest generation. Um, you know, like 870 different Pokemon all in all in a row. So good lord. Oh uh, yes, it I, I spent a, I spent like four months just grinding, grinding, grinding to finish eleven decks a couple of generations ago. So now I just and go back. I and thought it. I was a completionist. Oh, I well, you know, if you look at my collection in Pokemon, although I'll have one of each, <laughs> I still wouldn't be considered a completionist in that game. I won't have one of every variety of every every everything of every shiny. 
the the people are crazy in Oakmont. I just yeah, there's there's some crit yeah yeah. I just love checking boxes off. So you know, I I remember being a kid and catching a shiny uh, uh, Spinda. Is that what the bear like the weird looking teddy bear one or something like that? It, it was like bear? this. Yeah, it was like this weird looking like teddy bear with like squiggly eyes. And then turned sure. into the giant Ursa bear or something. Oh, 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 yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah. So I got a shiny one of them. And I thought it was like a bug. I was oh, like, oh. what the heck? Like, what's this glitch? Like, God, why is it my thing regular colored? This is gonna I ruin no my idea. game. <laughs> it's I was worried about that. I kept it in the I kept it in the PC. I was Dude. like, what the heck? Like, is this bugged out? Like, I, I can't afford I'm I paid my allowance for this. I can't afford a new game. I don't want to score like I don't want to. And like some I think some kid was like, yeah, like it might corrupt your your game file. Like, you know, Dude, I was that's like, a oh, glitch. As, uh, you know and so like that's what we thought in our in my school you know like oh man that's a glitch dude like dude literally that's... late 90s early 2000s half of playing a video game was looking for glitches yeah like yeah. that was I mean, all it wasn't it shortcuts wasn't and glitches for the record it wasn't bad reasoning <laughs> looking for short shortcuts glitches and trying to figure out what the cheat codes were right the, oh my gosh and then dude, and then one of your buddies playing... would buy a game shark <laughs> Yeah, well, those things I I didn't like, I because that that felt like you didn't earn it, you know. But I loved playing uh, Star Wars Dark Forces Two, which, by the way, was a great game. Uh, as was Jedi Outcast. That was a great game as well for its time. Uh, but I remember playing Star Wars Dark Forces Two online with a friend, and we knew all the cheat codes where you could just like type in the like the, like you could just literally type it in so you could fly i still remember i still remember the code to fly like i'll never forget it i, I we just wow. fly and so like you'd go and fly around the map like unbound to like the way the level design was supposed to be and you'd find all sorts of weird easter eggs in it that you normally couldn't access by the regular map side i that was like the the whole thing that I think like really turned me on to wanting to play like open world games, because even though this was not an open world game by using those cheat codes, like it now was. And I was yeah, like, you could discover oh, this things. is cool. Like exploring in a video game is fun. And I don't think I'd ever explored like that. I mean, Pokemon, you explore, right? But it is a pretty linear track. Like, like you, you get to an area, you explore the area and then you move on. Sure. Sure. You know? Sure. So well, uh, yeah, I don't know. I just, I, I'll always remember that. I still remember the cheat code for unlimited money in the first Sims game. <laughs> we would just go on and build. We would just go on and build castles. And I think I think I could yeah. probably still pull off a couple of the the quick cheat codes for Tony Hawk Pro Skater One for N for N sixty four. I bet you I could still if if it was in my oh, hands. Man. I bet you I could get like the time ten score code off. I don't know. Yeah, I I, I definitely See, I played underground. I played Tony Hawk's underground. That was the one I okay. Rocked. Yeah, mine was mine was Pro Skater One. That was, um, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, that's a lot of that's a lot of nostalgia. I'm gonna Legends end up of Runeterra. Everybody. Yeah, yeah. I'll be I'll, I'll end up buying a Raspberry Pi by the end of the night if I if I, <laughs> <laughs> and putting on like forty thousand old games if I don't if I'm not, if I'm not careful. Um, <laughs> yeah, Legends of Runeterra. But more importantly, gaming in general. Um, oh, yeah. We had a tweet by a major influencer in in the gaming world. So Ninja, who, of course, made I mean, if you don't know who Ninja is, that would be odd to me. He made his name in Fortnite, although 
I started watching Ninja right before he started playing PUBG about maybe three or maybe three years, two years before he got like blew up really big. Mm -hmm. Um, And so uh, I remember, I remember actually like I followed him back then and kept him on my follow list. And I was like, wait a minute. Why does this guy have 40,000 people watching him right now? Like he always had like, he always had like a hundred, like watcher. And then of course, you know, He's grown, he's grown, and, and has moved over to Mixer, a lot of different things. He doesn't play card games, but he is a major influencer in, in the video game world. So um, he fired out a tweet. It's caused a little bit of, uh, it's ruffled some feathers and such. But uh, DBN, tell us a little bit about it, because you're the one who brought it to my attention. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't, so I don't follow Ninja. I don't play Fortnite. I don't particularly uh, like Ninja's style of streaming i'm a way more laid back person than i think i would that would he would ever appeal to me uh but there was a time when i watched him more because i was kind of fascinated at the spectacle of it all if that makes sense sure um i mean there's a lot of production that goes into his entertainment channel and and channels plural um and so like you know and i was also really interesting from a business perspective like the way he expanded and the way like the business choices. Um, so I do have a, a respect for him in that realm, but I, I, I can't stand watching him personally. Um, but so here's the thing. Um, I'll, I'll read off the tweet in a second, but the only reason I really saw it is because I saw a lot of people across gaming, not just like, you know, uh, first person shooters, but also, you know, card gamers were commenting on, on this. It's just, it's become such a big thing on Twitter but I was like, you know what? I kind of want to bring this up because I do. I have some thoughts on it, and I'm really interested in Mark's thoughts on it. And you know, I'm sure you guys have thoughts on it too. Um, so uh, here's what he said. He said the phrase "It's just a game" is such a weak mindset. You're okay with what happened, losing imperfection of a craft. When you stop getting angry after losing, you've lost twice. There's always something to learn and always room for improvement. Never settle. So uh, a lot of people reacted to this and a lot of people reacted extremely negatively. And I totally understand why, because I think there's a lot of reading into it that happens. Um, And I also think there's a lot of people that this doesn't apply to, but that probably want to apply it. And more importantly, I think this is where I kind of say, maybe not the best look is, and this is just in general, I don't think, I think Ninja, he's done a lot of it to his brand because he was appealing to kids to try to be a better influence as an influencer. But I still don't think his behavior is good for kids in their formative years. And so a tweet like this could theoretically enforce something, but that same point, by that point, it's kind of like, it's, I don't think it's meant for kids. So I don't know. I, I have some more thoughts on, but the first thing is just hot take. Mark, you read this. What do you think? Yeah. So, um, you know, it's interesting because I have watched Ninja whenever he was, of course, a, a, a really not a small, but a smaller streamer through sort of like his personality shifts and his style shifts as he grew. And then um, really his style shift when he was sort of at the peak of uh, really at the at the upper cross, like the peak. He was streaming with um, Tim the Tapman and Dr. Lupo every day, playing a lot of Fortnite, um, sort of watching some of him 
watching a little bit of it deconstruct as he was making a ton of money and dealing with contracts and sponsors and a lot of different things and sort of watching him um, deconstruct and reconstruct what his brand really was as, as he was reinforcing a brand. Um, and it's interesting because then I, I am in my own little hometown of 1500 people. I go out and I've been watching him and I see kids on Halloween dressed up as him. Right. <laughs> and, and so, and we're talking, you know, 10 year olds, seven year olds dressed up as ninja going out there. So obviously he's had significant influence over younger kids in Fortnite has a lot of influence over a younger generation. And I think it's built to a, appropriately have that influence um considering kind of the graphics knowing that it's a shooting game right uh, all of all of that to say my initial take is i don't think that he's wrong i think it was a poor context right the the context of twitter isn't the context for a tweet or, or a comment like that um yeah. i i don't think there's anything wrong with what he's saying but it's you have to contextualize it right for for him or other people who are professional gamers or um, even professional streamers or part-time streamers to say it was just a game, they don't really care about it, may be a really bad mindset. It would be a really bad mindset for him to have or for probably most of the people in the circles that he's running in these days. But you have to realize something. Like For many people, video games isn't a craft. They're not trying to master it. They don't mm. care if they master it. Video games is a downtime. Video games relaxes them. The purpose that they go to video, the reason they go to video games, the, the purpose it serves in their life is to decrease stress. And therefore, if thinking this is more than just a game, but this really deeply matters in every aspect of my life and defines me as an individual and who I am, um, removes the ability for it to be a de-stressor. Like when... When Ninja goes to play, when Tyler goes to play video games, right, it is a stress causer for him, right? He's going to work. And many people who are professional gamers, it is a cause of stress because this is their profession and how they perform at it will very likely determine their livelihood. Um, whereas for someone even like me, I'm casually doing that, right? I'm getting into content creation a little bit. But for the most part, video games are there to relax me. And when they stop doing that, I stop playing them. If I get upset because I lost too often, I quit playing the game because that's not the purpose. I'm not trying to master a craft. There is many crafts that I do attempt to master outside of video games, but you can't master every craft and you kind of have to choose um, sparingly. Oftentimes, where are you going to place your energies to make sure that you are perfecting or mastering the things that are most important to you? And for the vast majority of people, Video games isn't it. And that's perfectly acceptable. And it's perfectly acceptable to have the mindset of this is just a game if it isn't going to be your livelihood and it isn't a craft that you're trying to master. I do agree. It's not a great mindset if it's not something, you know, but I think it's it's coming with sort of like a little bit of an arrogant assumption that is everyone who picks up a controller or sits behind a keyboard wants to become a professional gamer. And that yeah. simply is not the truth. Most, the vast majority of people don't. They just want something to do and some downtime and to not think about work a lot of times. And so yeah. that's my hot take on it. I think in like if 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 Tyler was speaking to a room full of content creators and streamers, 
that comment may have landed with them um, in a very different way than what it does with the whole world through Twitter. I, yeah, that's my hot take on it. Sure. I, I actually really I think that's a great I, I almost entirely agree. I would say one thing that I think would have improved this tweet is a little bit more careful diction. Uh, so word choice. Mm -hmm. um, angry is not the word. You can take angry out and put upset or, um, you know, hurt pride or um, disappointment. And I think this tweet comes off way better because I think that's what Ninja's getting at. The problem is when he says angry, anybody who's aware of him is thinking of his childlike outbursts when he loses, right? And is encouraging and saying, you have to have those outbursts, mm -hmm. right? And let's be very clear. I do I think Ninja is a perfectly as a perfect human being who never gets genuinely mad. No, but those type of outbursts help his ratings, and he knows it. It's sure part, it's part of, of his, his persona. Yeah, it's, it's his a brand. brand choice, right? Is that brand choice good for kids in their formative years and how they cope with losing? I don't think so. You would never catch me letting a kid, you know, who I had guardianship over watch Ninja, not because I think he's going to swear or say anything inappropriate, but because I don't think he's a great role model for kids about how to deal with disappointment or, you know, in this case, losing, right? He comes off as a bad sport. Now, it's funny to people who have context. I don't personally think it's funny, but I understand that some people do think the way he you know, overreacts to things, the yelling, like that's funny to some people and that's okay. But those people, you know, especially kids under 12 in my mind, it's probably not great for them. So that, that was a lot of the responses like, oh, you're teaching kids. And it's like, first off, it, you know, it's really not Ninja's responsibility to, you know, say, hey, parents, maybe watch pay attention to what your kid watches. Sure. It's not his job. Uh, but, you know, really, like, I do think this tweet would have landed better, even with um, competitive gamers like myself. Uh, the angry part is what throws through a lot of people that I know and respect their opinions and I think of as excellent gamers. Um, uh, I think it's the angry part that threw them, but I don't think that's what he meant. Because here's the thing. I happen to be a very competitive person. You know, my friends, you know, even other content creators and stuff like that who have worked with in the past, they know. Anyone who used to watch my stream knows. I'm a competitive person. Uh, and this is literally like how I contextualize anything that I want to be good in, which kind of harkens back to what you were saying, right? This is not, I think this is for people that, that says, hey, I want to be good at this. Well, if you want to be good at it, saying it's just a game using it as an excuse to write off when you lose isn't helping you. It's actually making you worse, right? Mm -hmm. Like reading into the intent of the tweet, I totally understand. I agree even. You know, I, I mean, there's a thing where, you know, the athletes who I have, and I suppose specifically talking athletes here, not really talking about like esports, you know, esports competitors, excuse me. Um, 
But athletes who, have, who I've kind of been inspired by are people with a chip on their shoulder because that's how I have always contextualized competition, which is be a, first off, you know, be a good sport always. But after that, that doesn't mean you have to be okay with the result. Like, like the results do matter. Anyone who tells you, oh, it's just about the journey is wrong. The, res- the, the, the result and the destination does matter. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and so when you start looking at it, you need to be able to evaluate why you're losing. And being able, to, and the only way you're going to want to do that is if it irks you. Dang it, I lost. Mm-hmm. And whether it comes from a place of I lost and I don't respect my opponent or darn it, I really wanted to beat him because I respect my opponent. If the same irk should be there, you know, whether it's for the right reasons or not, you know, if you if this is something that you want to pursue and that's that's the whole crux of this. So that's the formation. This is for people. If this is a, something you want to pursue and be good at it, then when you do something wrong at your job, when you make a mistake, it should bother you. Sure. You know, professional integrity being, you know, professional pride, pride in your work, it should bother you. And so from the context of a card gamer, and this is where it gets a little difficult, I'll, I will say, you can't always know why you lost because you can't see your opponent's hand. You don't have their deck list in front of you. Mm-hmm. And so it can be really easy, I found, to write off a game like, oh, they just top decked what they needed. Oh, they just played a hard counter to my deck. Uh, and, and like, it's a trap. To, to, to do that i'm not saying you have to get upset that you lost but i will say i think it's a it's not an unhealthy thing to be annoyed or irked or you know disappointed whether it's in yourself or at least the outcome and then evaluate okay was this an outcome i can control was it really a lucky top deck if so i've i've now taken this emotional reaction of because i want to be good at this it bothered me that I didn't get the result I wanted. Now I had that reaction, which is literally what he's talking about. Okay. Well, now that I had that reaction, I can kind of try to put some context to it and decide what I want to do with that emotional reaction. Okay. Like I'm, you know, I made this mistake and I'm mad at myself for it. I got no problem with that. I got no beef with that. Like, you know, obviously there's taking it too far, but you know, I've made some boneheaded decisions that like, you know, in tournaments, you know, in even on stream and casual play, just sometimes I sit there and I'll be like, why did I do that? You know, I, I did a really dumb thing the other day in Runeterra and I lost to a Fiora deck that I knew I would I was going to win to. And it really, you know, I sat there and I was so mad at myself. I was like, why did I do that? But what I realized was, man, playing Fiora tilts you and puts you out of the correct mindset to play this game. Let's work on that. Let's try mm. to, you know, not and, and so you can really hone it to get more and more and more and more specific okay you made this bad line you're not a stupid person so why did you make that bad line oh it's because you were focusing you were tunnel visioning on this card that you've had negative experiences or or you've lost a lot to in the past okay well now that you know that how can you take that next step of i need to not tunnel vision on this card i need to you know change my approach change my mental state heck even if it and this is literally what came down to me oh i see fiora pop up take a deep breath relax it just don't worry about the outcome this game just say hey it's okay we're gonna try to win as best we can you know but what you can't do is let fiora get to you you can't let fiora get your goat (laughs) you know 
Uh, and I mean, that's a bit of an exaggeration, but I, I think it's just what the problem with, with Ninja's tweet and why people reacted to it. And I think there's a lot of, well, he's the top dog. You want to bring him down. I mean, everybody's always complaining about LeBron. It's like, well, somebody get off LeBron's, you know, case. But, you know, there's a, there's always a symptom of, you know, top dog, got to bring him down a peg. But I also think, like, this, your, your first thing you said was dead on, which is this needed contextualization, which is not how Twitter works. No. Um, so uh, that those are my complicated thoughts on it but i i did feel like it was something that like as card game players because we have that very unique kind of it's not so it's not such a visceral i was gonna use the word visceral oh okay well well, good that's the word i was about to say visceral that's perfect well right and like like fps's are very like twitchy visceral experiences and card games aren't card games give you the time to kind of, and I think it also, they hone this mentality of it's a procedural thing. There's order and timing to it, and you can kind of break down. I mean, heck, the best players I know will go and record their games and go turn by turn to identify where they made a mistake. And sometimes they'll lose that game and come to the end and say, I would have made all of those same decisions. I agree with all the decisions I made, even with this information in mind. And and they still lost. And when you come to that conclusion, and this is the, the crux of it, you had that emotional reaction, whether it was anger, disappointment, frustration, annoyance. And now that you've come full circle and you've processed it to the point where you say, I couldn't do anything about that, then you can let it go. And then letting it go is a good thing. But I think there's a lot of people who responded to this that said, you just got to let it go. And it's like, I think that there's a step, there's a process there. I think you can have it both ways. Yeah, I think you need to learn from it. I, I think it's also important to note too, right? Like we're obviously, like you said, we're not comparing apples to apples here. We are in card games. Um, and I mean, we all know when we watch the best card game players, digital card game players, Hearthstone Championships, uh, Elder Scrolls Legends Championships, we're going to see this in Legends of Rundera Championships. There's not going to be yelling and screaming. Most of the best card players are some of the most deeply analytical um you know like folks who like their emotions never make it to the surface like some people who their facial expression almost never changes that's not always the case but oftentimes um these are people who may feel that inside but on the outside seem relatively unaffected at all by the outcome of the game um as they're making decisions not always the case but oftentimes is which I think is something that's important to note. And, and you know, we can move on, but just, um, you know, all you you can be disappointed and want to get better and examine how it went and, and move forward. I, I always try to examine my games. Um, and uh, at the same time, you can't stay there, right? Like you can get upset, but yeah. the longer you stay there, the worse the player you are. And that isn't just the case with Legends of Runeterra. That's the case with Fortnite as well. I mean, if you watch Ninja and watch him play, even if he does get really upset over one game, he does consciously calm down before he gets into the next serious match. Um, yeah. which, which tells you that he's, you know, part of his big reaction is an act, right? Part of it is the fact that he's not actually that upset, but that's part of you know, his performance, which makes sense. Um, I think it's good to not be satisfied with losing in any aspect of life, but you also need to realize that depending on the context, Hey, you know, 
this game may not be something you're interested or care about perfecting. You're just playing. Um, in yeah. which case, I strongly encourage you to go play Skyrim forever. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Well, okay, look, I mean, here's the thing. You can play card games, and it can be it's just a game, and that's just okay. Like, that's fine, you know? But, I mean, I think it's pretty obvious. I mean, I felt like it was obvious, and and I don't... I felt like Ninja's statement was very clearly directed towards people who want to take a game seriously and you know you can play a game for fun and still take it seriously i t i mean when anytime i sit down to play dark souls or, or bloodborne that's a single player experience but i take it seriously it's not just a game it's a you know it's a game that i want to do put my best foot forward anytime i sit down to play any game i, I don't i don't just do not, like i i've never been the one who plays a game to just turn off my brain i i'm an objective oriented individual but like i'm not saying that you can't have that but i i don't think there's anything wrong also with saying hey if you're gonna set out to do something whether you commit your entirety of your being or not i think it's still good to put the best foot forward um sure and, and so i don't know we, we should be done we should stop talking about this sure yeah no but it's it's good it did apply it applied I, directly I just, to I, yeah, mindset I saw in this and I saw a lot of people getting very very pissed off over it and i was like i get it i get because it, you're bringing all this baggage in of your opinion of the person who said it but i don't necessarily think that the message at heart of that tweet was wrong and, and that's kind of something i just wanted to throw out there and put my two cents in uh on that sure well, I tell you what, let's go ahead and jump over and dive back into some Legends of Runeterra conversation now, um, because we got a patch that came out that made a lot of changes, really shook up the meta, and we're not even going to try to guess at what the meta is, because we're recording this uh, on an evening, uh, th a Thursday evening, and by the time you listen or you're listening to this, likely the meta has changed two more times, and we might tell you to go craft cards for a deck that's total trash by now. Oh, I mean, I'm not gonna tell you to craft nothing. Yeah, that's a <laughs> dangerous. Do that. that was a dangerous thing. I did that one time with Sigil Stone. Big mistake. <laughs> Don't do that, Mark. Okay, so but we got some changes and some updates. There's a lot that we could pour into with these patch notes, which I think honestly we'll come back to a couple pieces of this probably in future that many opportunities. Well, I, many were there. Like the, it didn't feel like there was a ton. No, I mean, we're gonna, a lot of we're gonna talk about all the card changes. I just yeah. think that there's some philosophies that they set down with how they're going to be continuing to adjusting things in the game that are going to be important as we move forward. So let, let's just say, let's put this. I'm gonna read this. So this is part of the patch notes. Um, they said we plan to approach balance with a seasonal mindset adjusting our methods as the meta goes through different stages and different sets of new cards. Um, when we're out of beta and get into our regular cadence of releasing new sets, it should look something like this. This is more information in beta than we got out of Hearthstone four years in. Um, I don't actually know if four years is accurate. Oh, but it, Well, it's more it, than we ever got out of Tessel the entire time. Yeah, exactly. So they're saying, here's a, listen, we're going to release a new set of cards. Then we put out a balance patch that's a quote-unquote medium-sized number of changes. 
based on kind of their early assessment of what's going on. So they say, okay, this is a problem card. We think that it is. Let's make a quick adjustment to it. So medium-sized changes. Then after a while, they're going to do a second patch that's going to be pretty significant. Okay, it's going to buff up under underutilized cards. So they're telling us we're not just nerfing, we're also buffing. Um, and this is going to be where you're going to see like major uh, updates to cards um, and any of the champion updates. So you're not going to, they're saying we're not really going to see champion updates in the first patch in the future, but probably in the second. Then they're going to have a third balance patch with a limited number of things to just sort of stabilize stuff. And then they'll release a new set of cards. So I think that that's a, I mean, it gives you kind of a roadmap that says, okay, cards are going to get released. A couple of weeks later, we're going to get a balance patch that is going to adjust some things, but not touch champions. A couple of weeks after that, we're going to get another balance patch. It's going to gut stuff and buff stuff, and it's going to be big. We can expect halfway between the last set and the next set that we're going to get a completely new meta because they're going to really change stuff. Then they're going to give a third patch to sort of level things out, which is probably about the time that they're really getting into the final refinement. Then we're going to get new cards and get a new meta. I, I, I just think this is really, really interesting from a design standpoint and sort of like a maintenance standpoint. And it really, really excites me because it shows from the very get-go that they are putting a lot of thought and intentionality into not just putting developing cards, but making sure that those cards are doing what they want them to do. Yeah, the, the most important thing about this is none of what you said, although everything you said is important. Yes. Okay. What's the most important part then? This is mind-numbingly relevant to competitive play because the worst thing for a competitive-minded, serious player who is testing every night, someone who's on a competitive team, uh, is this idea, and this hurt Tessel a lot, uh, and would occasionally really mess up Hearthstone players is when they had no idea when something's going to be changed and they're dedicating a ton of time at a certain time, whether it's right before a new set or right after a new set, they're pouring in a lot of practice hours into decks that will all of a sudden and without warning get changed. Um, and so I'm not really referring, if, if for the Tesla people, I'm not really referring to wacky broken otk combo decks or anything like that because i think any good competitive player is going to realize okay this is maybe too much it's going to get nerfed you can use it while it's here but be ready to shift off of it but i mean i remember several times uh in elder scrolls legends when competitive players would be amping up gearing up for a tournament uh or something like that and then boom balance patches and oh crap the archetype i was really pouring a lot of hours into just got nerfed and and we you know you didn't know if it was going to be three cards getting nerfed or ten, mm -hmm. um, and, and so I think that this is going to bring a lot of confidence to the competitive scene. And so having a general vibe of okay, we're late in the patch. Um, I can probably keep grinding on these decks that I'm very confident on uh, because there's only that third balance patch is going to be small. You can generally sniff out where the slightly overpowered thing is. I can start dedicating time and heck, maybe it's still worth playing that archetype. Even if it gets slightly tuned LK okay, set just dropped. I need to understand. I need to build a broad understanding, uh, of the card pool of the viable archetypes because something is liable to get changed. Uh, and then when you approach that middle of the life of the set on, you know, be ready to, Maybe even take a step back and say, okay, I need to just kind of relax. 
wait for this to pop out and see where everything settles before I start burning a ton of time uh, into something. And, and I think it's, you know, I exaggerated maybe for effect, but I think that that's one of, if not the most important things about this, and which is why I think they said it is because I think there's a clear intention from this game to want to take over the CCG competitive space. They want it. It's Riot. They already have the MOBA genre on lock. They know what to do, and not saying it's perfect with League of Legends, but they know what to do to bring in money. They want it here. They want to usurp Hearthstone's competitive scene, which ain't going to be hard to do. Not with um, how they're, so doing they're doing things. Yeah, what they're doing here is giving competitive players expectations for how to spend their time at different times uh in a season and i think that's really cool yeah and this this level of intentionality too shows me like they have a pretty active team right um and they've put their money where their mouth is when it comes when it comes to this it gives me like just just this little bit just this little bit gives me a lot of hope for the future of the game you know there have been some naysayers oh this game's never going to take off it's not got as many people but you know but I think, A, I think it has a great player base already. B, um, I think that you're going you're gonna to see a lot of people flock to this when it goes to mobile. And I think that Riot is doing a really great thing by just taking it slow. I cannot wait for when we are going to be able to talk about the announcement that they're doing a giant tournament and, and competitive high-end you know, players. tournament but you, you cut out there. Oh, I, I, I said, uh, I, I'm excited for when they announce the first big tournament and we, we see, you know, players flocking to the game. I'm excited for the day that we get to talk about that because this shows me that they have put investment in it, right? And they're going to continue to, and that's exciting to me personally. Yeah, you, you cut out there. I didn't get any of that, but I think it was about tournaments. Um, yeah, here's the thing. Um, the number one thing that's going to bring people to the game. Do you, do you know what that is, Mark? The number one thing? Mobile. Bring people to the game. Uh, well, actually, okay, probably mobile. But after that. Uh, I would, I, I'm going to guess it's going to be uh, streamers, people watching. Nope. None what of that. is it? Money. How much money are they going to put up in tournaments? Oh, yes. Because uh -huh. money brings competitive players. Money brings coverage. Coverage brings players. Coverage brings streamers, streamers being more viewers, viewers eventually try the game. The more, and I've seen this, the more money you put into a game, the bigger the game gets because people chase the money. And when people chase the money, then you have content that pops up to support the people that are chasing the money and all the people that want to see the spectacle unfold of who gets the money. Um, you know, heck, the versus system, my favorite ccg ever printed nostalgia i don't think it's the best ccg ever printed but my favorite uh although it was really good um that game took off and was really popular despite the fact that upper deck entertainment marketed it terribly uh but the main reason why there was huge turnout they put up a ton of money at tournaments and when they realized unfortunately too late uh that they were marketing the game completely incorrectly and putting these you know packs and stuff in the wrong place in stores and and not supporting the local you know they, they didn't do their job as you know distributor but uh people turned out and the game was very popular when they put up money and when they stopped putting up money the game died slowly mm -hmm. but it died um 
you know why Hearthstone is popular? Do you know why Magic is popular? It's not because these are the best games. It's because they have the deepest pockets. And Riot has deep pockets. And Riot's got deep pockets. Yeah. So regardless of what you think about where the view, oh, Twitch viewership is down. Twitch viewership means nothing right now. Twitch nope. viewership is going to mean a lot more when the big money tournaments roll out, which I don't know that that's going to happen, but I do think we can make an educated guess that Riot is going to put money into this game, into the competitive scene, and people are going to chase the money, and it all trickles down from there. Mm -hmm. And just because we didn't hear about that on week one of closed beta does not mean it's not going to happen. There's going to be a day soon that we're going to be talking about the big tournament. Oh, yeah. I mean, they've got to get spectator mode in here first, so... Yeah, and it'll be here. You know, they're working on it a little piece at a time. I like the way, and here's the thing. They have pockets deep enough to take their time working on it. Yeah. They can put the money up ahead of time to take time and work on it and then and then really go all in, right? And that's exciting to me. So we got some card updates. So th that's one of those things, DBN, that I think like this, this list of how they plan to do nerfs and buffs is going to be something that we're going to be coming back to yeah repeatedly repeatedly because yeah, every time they change a card we're going to be going and saying well it's probably how that card's going to be because the third the third update isn't going to be a big one or they're going to change a card and we're like oh, yeah yeah yeah. i know you don't think they changed it enough but remember we're going to get another patch patch two is coming down the line you know mm -hmm. that's going to be comp that's going to be a thing of conversation but we did get our first big this is a pretty big patch this is a pretty big changes i think to the cards that they changed. Um, and that is, yeah. we got, let's start off. We'll just work our way down and each give some thoughts on it. The first one sure. is Lux. So Lux was a six mana, four five with barrier. We know what she does. If you've seen uh, eight spells cast, you, you level up and get a final spark in hand. Um, and well, she eight, is eight, eight mana, eight, eight mana, mana worth. Yeah. Spells. You could do four, two mana spells while she's on the board. Well, it's actually six mana as I'm looking at the card, not eight, six. I don't know what I have no idea what the card is. Um, so, but I do know, know what the card is, but I have no idea what the card is. I know how it changed. I know how it changed. It we changed. Sure do, yeah. It's no longer. So what it was before, it was a three, four, so three, three attack, four health. And then when she leveled up, she was a four, five. Now she's a four, five. And then when she levels up, she's a five, six. So just a plus one, plus one in both modes. Um, yeah. That that's the, what the, she received. Yeah. It's crazy what a plus one plus one buff will do. Yes. Um, in fact, I lost to a Lux because of that plus one plus one buff just today. Because otherwise, I would have culling striked it and won the game. Hmm. Uh, but can't culling strike Lux anymore. Uh, culling strike immediately got cut from the deck it was in, and I put in another Noxian Guillotine. Uh, but, but, um, I, I think even with that one card interaction going away, uh, going up a point in health is like the most relevant thing in a game like this. So uh, is, is the, is the card, I mean, the card is still like its effect still requires you to play a certain way. You have to be casting spells. Mm -hmm. uh, but what it does is gives you more confidence that you can stick it for longer. And this card has to stick because it has to see the spells, unlike some of the other champions that level up in your hand. Uh, this one, you have to see the spells cast 
So you have to get it down. It's a big mana investment uh, at six, and it's still understated, but at four or five, it lives significantly longer. So uh, it's a good buff. Uh, Yeah, I'm with it. Yeah, I like it. I've been messing around with Lux. This is one that, I mean, I don't think anyone was like, oh man, Lux is oppressive. Why are they buffing her? No one was playing Lux. Never saw her in any deck list. Never saw anyone even messing around with her. Um, yeah. I think this encourages people to experiment with her. And even if she's still bad, mm-hmm. the buff just encourages people to experiment with her. And now we'll know for sure if she's bad. Well, and you, what, what you don't want to do is go too far the other way and make the champion broken. So I, I think a plus one, plus one buff is just fine. If the champion ends up getting overpowered, it's not going to be because of the balance of this card. It's going to be because too many other things swung in favor of that play style. And so that's why I think keeping balance changes fairly simple, unless the card is truly garbage, which really there's a few cards, but I, I don't think anything's truly in the dumpster bin uh, yet. Uh, it's a small card pool, but each card does feel like it has a place somewhere. Mm-hmm. Even if that place isn't good, it, like even if that deck that it wants to have a place in isn't good i think everything has a place and i think that's all you need you know there's there's not what i didn't see in this which i really like is i don't feel like there's filler one of my least favorite things is pack filler cards that are everyone knows they're bad why are they here yeah stop wasting my time you know yeah there yeah that's that's becoming more and more true this game um, yeah. Our other champion change we got was to Yasuo. Can I and can I just say they in the patch notes they actually gave sort of reasons why they did things, which is even more information than I've ever got from the devs in a card game. Um, well, I mean, some sometimes they'll do it. Uh, Hearthstone would just give little snippets and be like, "Well, it's too strong. We're nerfing it." Yeah, you know, at least when, back when I played, Tesla would usually do a good job. CVH would usually write up what the devs were thinking and kind of try to give some you know, reason. So I, that's something I always appreciate is that there was thought process there, even if I didn't agree with it. And the same could be said here. There might be something in here that I don't agree with. So it's like, it's fine, but I do really appreciate them giving insight on the why. I think any, so inf- any information is helpful. Anything. Yes. So basically what they said is, listen, we were, we were play testing Iona with the, with the changes that they're going to make, which we're going to talk about in a moment. And they're like, Oh, they were almost like we needed to change these cards, but we didn't want to make Yasuo completely unplayable um, when we changed these cards. So we gave Yasuo a little buff so that we feel like he's still playable because of the fact that we're going to be adjusting some of the other cards that are, you know, in his faction. So Yasuo is now, it used to be you stun or recall six plus units. He levels up. Now you stun or recall five plus units and he levels up. So he's a little bit easier to level up. I, I haven't played him. I have a couple copies of Yasuo I'd like to try out. But, uh, you know, DBN, we know that you have been playing him. Have you found the five versus six limit there to be uh, impactful? Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, it's stunning. So when I play this card, one of two things happens. Either I get him like leveled up really, really fast with a big intimidating roar. Mm -hmm. uh, Or it takes a little bit longer with individual stuns. You know, the sentries, uh, I use three of those uh, three guiles, which are just, I mean, they're really good in this Yasuo build. Um, Guile is awesome. Um, very mana efficient for the types of setup plays you can do with it. So, uh, but yeah, sometimes it takes a little bit of time, and I think just bumping it down one point is actually quite 
impactful for the games when you don't get the intimidating roar in your hand. Uh, it allows Yasuo to be less combo reliant and more, it turns him on faster, which is really important, I think, because once you level him up, you can take the game away. I mean, that's the case for most of these champs. You know, you get them leveled up, uh, your opponent better level theirs up pretty quick too, or else for the rest of the game, you're going to be at a major disadvantage, which one, you know, some people don't like about this game, but I think it kind of helps put a little bit of a clock on the game. I, I think it's a nice way to be a, here, we're going to help the game end faster, but in a really cool way that your opponent knows what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, your opponent knows, hey, they're leveling up. You can always check the progress, which I love. Uh, so yeah, yeah I, I think your this opponent is knows big your help game for Yasuo. You know, they commented on this. They they were saying, you know, Inspiring Mentor was being used to level up Yasuo based on the recall stuff. Um, and yeah, like, I, I never messed with that. Uh, excuse me. The build that I did was uh, almost entirely stun-reliant. Uh, and with just a touch of recall here and there. And and really, I run two of the, the one-mana... Is it, is it just called recall? The the one-mana... Uh, it recalls something to your yeah, hand recall. from your it's own just board? Recall. Yeah, just recall an ally. I, I I run two of those in the list just to protect Yasuo. Oh, they're about to kill my Yasuo? Well, for one mana, I can you know at least keep that presence in my hand because that's how important he is to the deck. But besides that, there's very little recall be, you know, except for a couple Will of Ionias because you don't need it. The stuns are keeping you afloat. You get these big combo plays you know, off of the Intimidating Roar. Like, but I totally can see how one could shift this towards a more maybe mid-rangey or even aggressive deck because the cool thing about Yasuo is he has quick attack, um, yes, which is really helpful. Yes, he does. Uh, and just quite strong. So like I can see you wanting to go with more of a you know a hand-buffing strategy using Yasuo and how that would hurt it. The biggest thing that hurts Yasuo, in my opinion, uh, in terms of using him as like a centerpiece in a deck is the deny nerf, which we'll get to in a minute. Um, and so I think having this slight compensation kind of allowing you to turn on his controlling ability quicker uh, is a nice little compensation. So I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I, I really like this change. Yes, well, and it's one of those cards that I haven't had the chance to get to yet, but because I've still been playing a lot of Hecarim. Um, but one of the cards, he's like one of my favorite cards in the game and one of my favorite characters in, in League of Legends and in Riot's universe. So I'm excited to start messing around with him. I'm going to get this stun deck off you and start. start. Do you run any other champions in the stun deck with Yasuo? No, but I have been considering trying like one or two Katarinas just yeah. to get them level up a little bit faster. Uh-huh. Um, but uh-huh. I'm just not sure what I'm cutting because the early game creature slots are very competitive. Like I mm-hmm. need... so Because like right now, I mean, I, I'll just touch on it. Uh, but the Fae Blade Twirler is MVP. Um, you got to have the arachnoid sentries for stunning. Shadow Assassins is really my only uh, card draw, uh, which is a little bit unfortunate. I do still feel like the card draw is not quite evenly distributed across factions, but that's okay. It doesn't have to be. Um, but Shadow Assassins also is really important as an elusive to block Teemos. So we're running three Shadow Assassins. And then Trifarian Glory Seeker has just been the single card that like blows my mind every time I play it. Granted, it's only got one health, so it can get melted by spells. But if you kind of play thoughtfully and don't put all your eggs into the Glory Seeker basket, Trifarian Glory Seeker is just like dope hard removal. It's so good. Mm-hmm. The Glory Seekers are so good. Uh, so, um, the, like I said, the early game 
slots are very competitive and the late game slots what i've found is a very comfortable blend of you know like kind of proactive threats triple legion general because they scale so hard into the late game but even if you play them on curve they're usually at least a 5-5 if not better with fearsome so they're great on curve but they're nuts to close out a game they're just i mean i've gotten up 13 13 14 14 you know it's not hard to do I got Minotaur Reckoners and then two Yones, Yones or Yone, and one Mina. But like the deck starts getting full because you have to run enough stuns. So it's one of those yeah, things. Yeah, you want to like, be able to level them up. You have like finding the space. And right now I have two Death Lotus from the Spider meta. And if spiders it ever fade, that would might be something that would go to put one or two Katarinas in the list. Katarina is just a really good card, even if you only have one in the deck, because you can get her level up and you can keep her in your hand. The ability to rally is just really oh, it's strong. So strong. It's well, so especially strong. when later in the game you're trying to push keep the tempo in your favor when you've got these big beefy threats. Yeah. So and you're yeah. and your and your opponent's like, whew, I survived that turn. I'm gonna be safe on my turn. He can't attack me. Yeah, and he's well, like JK, Oh no, 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 no. Now now he can rally every turn if he wants to, and 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 now he's constantly attacking, so his quick attack is constantly being activated. Oh yes, the, the main problem. The Katarina's main problem, cool. though, Katarina is really cool because you got to get her leveled up, but but it's a big loss of tempo, and so like it that is. might be why she's okay in this deck, is because this deck may or may not, as I kind of get more used to it and figure out exactly how it wants to establish threats. But mana efficiency is something that like because you're already playing a lot of spells. You're not having a ton of mana efficiency. So having one more thing that's not mana efficient when it comes to board presence is why I haven't put it in yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She is not mana efficient. That's for no. sure. Uh, but the, the cool thing is, though, because of her ability when she strikes recall and she has quick attack, you could just put one copy in with the understanding of as long as they don't win the strike and kill her, she levels herself up, and then she'll be in your hand for the rest of the game. Yeah, you just have a recall. You need that rally. Whenever you want that rally, yeah, you just have it there. Yeah. yeah, you just have it. So once she successfully quick attacks and doesn't get killed, you'll always have that rally, and you can just hold it and hold it and hold it and hold it. So I, th I can also see the argument for just the one copy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just let's have let's it get there. back to the uh, to sure. the patch though. <laughs> sure. So I mean that that's important though. Those are the two champions that are being changed. From there, we're moving into other cards that are seeing adjustments. We have back to back. This was a five mana burst that gave two of your creatures plus three plus three. Basically, Riot came out and said, "Listen, um, it, it's just too strong. It's it. We didn't realize. We know that combat tricks were going to be good. They're better than maybe they." had thought or they know like they're seeing more play than they had maybe thought originally so back to back being one of the chief offenders um is now moving from five mana to six mana um which i think is pretty relevant obviously any mana changes to a card is pretty relevant um i i never personally had a huge issue with back to back uh i thought that at five it it didn't feel too too bad um but uh, I, I'm also not against it costing a little bit more either. I haven't played it since it moved to six because I don't think it's nearly as playable at six, but I don't think they gutted the card either. I think in specific decks, this card is still probably very good. Yeah, I mean, well, that's I my mean, thought. I, I do think back-to-back -back was too strong. I, I, I think back-to-back -back was kind of nuts before because it's one of those things that um, token decks really abused. 
mm-hmm. um, because you go wide, you def- you know you're defending against their bigger threats, or in the case of like let's say Elise is leveled up, and that's a terrible scenario, anyways that you're in. Yes, you know they challenger your stuff, uh, and then whatever you're not blocking, they buff. But because you know because of things like crawling sensation. Uh, and that six drop thing that spawns a bunch of creatures like obviously you can't do it on the same turn as you back to back but usually but the thing is is that back to back being able to say oh now that you've defended i'm just gonna like it was always used as a kill card and as a kill card at least in tokens right um it, it was really high value six points of burst for five or right, in those decks just continuing to solidify the board with or it, and right? that's the pro- controlling that's the board. To, well, that's what I was getting to. If it was, if it said give two unblocked allies or you know whatever, then I think it would be relegated to it. Hey, it's just a burst card, you know, or just you know. And I say burst as in bursting damage, you know, reach. I guess mm-hmm. we'll say reach instead. Yeah, instead um, of burst. Instead of burst, because that's a that's terminology. Uh, so it was it would be just a reach card, but the ability for it to be just as absolutely potent and and devastating as a board solidifying buff to creatures that are combating and then you pile burst on top of that it was just a little too much uh I, so the mana increase is nice but i still think anything that's going to be swinging outcomes should be fast and not burst i i you know yeah, your opponent should be able to react to it i don't listen i don't like i the more i play i don't love burst in general but i think that like i think it's it's fine i'm not gonna you know complain too much but so far i've been kind of like burst eh, it feels cheap and i don't like things that like i like what what i love so far is the ability to say oh you buffed your thing uh, or hey i'm gonna target you know, i'm gonna kill your creature with three or less okay well f- you can try but i'm gonna kill it before you can kill it with glimpse beyond or i'm gonna buff it outside of the range of your culling strike and then it'll fizzle. But then I'm, of course, making that decision to play that card now and spend mm-hmm. that mana now when I wanted to spend it on a, you know, a curved out creature. So, like, yeah, I like that. Having a card like this, I, in fact, the more I'm thinking about it, I think maybe anything that gives you additional attack power maybe shouldn't be burst. I like the idea of burst being able to give your defender, you know, something special, but, you know. The ability not to, and really, here's the thing: back to back is burst because, um, it's just in, you, you know centric on yourself, right? Which I think yeah. most mm-hmm. burst, burst cards are like okay, it's, with the exception of like the the biting wind or whatever that's called. You know, they're usually yeah, some frostbite you know, cards are burst. Yeah, they protect your opponent. But I think most of the burst cards like usually just deal with yourself. They tend to not mess with your opponent. Um, uh, but the thing is, something this swingy, you should be able to deny uh and so like not even just deny like i should be able to ping your one one off that you targeted with this so that your one one doesn't yeah, get before, plus three yeah, plus yeah, three yeah, yeah yes yes or like de- throw a death lotus down ahead of it mm-hmm. yeah totally like agree. i i yeah, should just I, be able to ping I, off you like i should have the option of if i have something in my hand to ping off or kill the creature that you're buffing i can get yeah, rid of it spider. and make at least yeah make half of your spell fizzle i i you know maybe this won't be enough I hope that it is. I yeah. I anytime you increase mana cost, you 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 reevaluate the card. So totally, yeah. that's totally. kind of a, a yet to be determined, right? So, and I don't. And if it proves to be still too strong, and I think really it's more of a, it's a super swingy card. 
which they even address actually as I'm looking at the thing. Yes, you know uh-huh. it, it's very swingy, and so like we'll see. But for now, I'm I'm not complaining. I'm not raging that it's not moved down to fast. I'm I'm fine with this. Yeah, it's got to wait and see. It's a wait and see card mm-hmm. for sure. So uh, I'm just going to do both of these in one because they both come from Noxus. We have Arena Battlecaster. It was a two mana, two one that whenever it attacked, it gave your other allies plus one, plus zero. Um, And now it is a two mana, two, two. And then we also got Crimson Curator, which was a three mana, three, two that when it took damage and didn't die, you added uh, a Crimson card to your hand, which it's there's a bunch with the name Crimson in it. Um, it's now a three mana three, three instead of a three mana three, two. So just buffing the health on these two guys. Um, I, the way I looked at this was they were like, um, we don't, we're not thrilled with how much play Noxus is seeing. And we want to see Noxus see a little bit more play. So we're just going to, you know, give a little, give a little something, give a little something, something to some guys that aren't seeing play to see if we can, you know, get the Noxus juices going that we wanted to see happen. Um, I I like that. I like it. I'm not against it. Um, I haven't really seen. I I did watch Swim playing the Crimson Curator the other day, um, with Standalone, which gives it like plus three plus three and just like buffing it up a bunch and then just generating a ton of value. Um, I don't know that it was all that effective still. Um, but uh, because it is a limited card pool that it can draw from. Um, oh, but no. it oh, dude, that's why it's good. It, because of the this specific is, cards is, i i okay i'm not saying this battle scars as they seem to like to call it is going to be broken or p- even powerful i'm not saying that but this crimson curator buff is huge i think it's huge and really this is a very good buff because playing with the card i was always i was irritated by the design before and now i'm no longer irritated um mm. Like it's supposed I'll, to survive damage. It can only on, ever do that once. Yeah, and yeah. that's and that's dumb. But but here's the thing: because it can only pull from a certain card pool, that actually helps you because all the cards in this other card pool are good. Okay. Right? The only crimson card for if you're playing crimson curator, you're playing it in a deck that can utilize self damaging. So under those circumstances, all these other cards are great. Crimson aristocrat. aristocrat can trigger and usually like I'm playing this in a uh, frail yard uh, Noxus build, right? Um, but Crimson Aristocrat can ping your Scarthane. It can ping your Crimson Disciple to deal a little extra damage. Uh, it can ping your Brom to speed up Brom leveling up or Vlad leveling up. Uh, it can ping the Crimson Curator again to get another Crimson unit. Which, by the way, if we talk about Noxus, uh, we have to admit like the, the there's not much resource resource extension. That's super easy to pull off. Right? There isn't. Um, and then, of course, uh, the Crimson Disciple in and of itself is a straight up win condition for Noxus. So a one in four chance that you get a win condition enabling card uh, if you're playing like a Vlad build, you know, is really good. If you get a Crimson Curator off a Crimson Curator, well, guess what? It's still a three mana three three. That's enough to trade into some of the mid game stuff. And then, really, and this is the big thing: you can pull Crimson Awakener, a four mana five five that deals one to all your guys. Well, guess what? A, if you just drop it on the board with nothing on an empty board, it's a four mana five five, which is great. Yep. And even if you don't, dropping a four mana five five that enables all those effects 
is still great. Yep. Oh, I dropped a Awakener, which pinged my Disciple to deal two damage, which pinged my Curator to get another card, uh, which pinged Brom to work him up towards his leveling up. Or oh, wait, Brom's already leveled up. Well, now I get a three three Poro. Like yeah. I think Crimson Curator. I think this is elegant. I think like now I'm excited. To, I've already slotted two into one of my decks, uh, and I haven't gotten to draw them yet, but I'm really hoping to. And I might <laughs> even go to three just to see him more often to get more testing in. But the bottom line is this is great. It's gonna help out an archetype. What it's what's cool about it is that like if they had if they had given you know Noxus a draw a card, then there's a problem because anything that says draw a card immediately can be you know bullied and forced into another archetype that can utilize that card draw. Sure, it can for, be you know, exploited somewhere things. else. It can be exploited, right? Uh, but because they're buffing a specific archetype's resource extension, I think. Whether or not Battle Scars, as they call it, is ever going to be good, doesn't matter. Because this buff helped this theme and this theme alone. Mm. And I think that's mm -hmm. really exciting. I think it represents that like the design team has a good idea of what a good buff is. And I, I'm I'm very, very impressed by the Crimson Curator thing. That's the most that's the thing that excited me most, believe it or not. Um, and then as for Arena Battlecaster, I still don't think the card is amazing. But not having one health is massive in this game, especially when you have things like um, spiders. That two mana, yeah, the the one deal one, uh, not black spear. Um, um, you know what I'm talking about the thing that makes a spider that two mana, yeah, the, deal, deal one, one drain and yeah, yeah mm -hmm. drain that thing, yeah. that thing, yeah, yeah. Battlecaster won't see play if that you know if it has one health, and so giving it two health now actually in a weird way kind of incentivizes you to pair Noxus with tokens or get really hyper aggressive start dropping those vanguard guys or legion rear guard yeah. or whatever they're called start dropping those things that can't block but every time you swing everything's getting more you know putting more damage in and and you know if you try to if you try to block against these big guys that are overstated but can't block if you try to block to survive they're trading up more effectively you're not getting favorable trades uh, as the defender, because this arena battlecaster is helping your other allies out, pushes more damage. Two mana two two is average stat distribution, which means it's actually slightly, you know, understated. Usually for yeah. two drops, mm -hmm. you want above. Uh, yeah, you want a two three or three two. You want two three or three two. But this guy, if you're dropping one drops, I think battlecaster is useful. If mm -hmm. you're if you if your plan is to get a one drop on the board, I think battlecaster is useful. Um, and so like, I, I think this is good. I don't think it's going to be broken, but uh, who knows? I mean, listen, it's an orc clan captain, you know? Yeah. Like it, it's a, it's a, what is that? There was a, there's a guy who does exactly this in, in Hearthstone that would occasionally every once in a while would pop up in a face hunter deck, you know? Yeah. So, he was like, an orc as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All the orcs. Yeah. This guy's not no. an orc, but still, no. um, he's a punk rock gives. Yeah. It, he's a punk rocker. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but anything, anything that gives a uh, you know board a you know a uh, what do you call it like a AOE buff like that that's going to be in the conversation. And now that this guy doesn't get killed by the one damage pings, he's in a much better way. So like keep an eye on that card. I think. Yeah. So probably one of the biggest changes was the change to deny. Deny oh, nailed it. Yeah, deny was a very strong card. This was the ability just to stop a fast spell, slow spell, or a skill. Um, it was a three mana card in Ionia. Now it is four mana instead of three mana. 
So they bumped that mana up by one. Basically, they said, listen, deny wasn't necessarily wrong at three, but where it was just proving that it was just too there. Like there was too many people playing it and it was restricting, you know, some of the other play space that they wanted to see, you know, cards experimented with, which we've talked about before. There was a lot of fast and slow cards kind of at the high end that you just couldn't experiment with because deny was a thing at three. Now you have to be conscious of the fact that you can't just store three spell mana and always have a deny on deck. Um, you got to make sure you have that one spare mana, which may not seem like a big deal, but the fact that this thing can't come down and isn't quite as versatile as it used to be, and you can't deny like two things in a turn with six mana, it now needs eight mana. These things are really important. So um, I think that this adjustment to deny was a good one. Um, and I, this is exactly what we talked about. We said it should be at four mana. I think this was literally the change that we suggested. I think it's a good change. I'm happy with it. Yeah, it's the it's the exact change we suggested for the exact reasons we suggested. So uh, we don't need to go over it again, but uh, internet high five. Yeah, there you go. Good job. Good job. Inspiring mentor. This was a one mana one one that would buff something plus one plus one in your hand. Um, I think originally this was sort of like the uh, the concept around some of the Ionia cards, um, but it was being really exploited specifically with all of the elusive cards. So now instead of being a one mana one one, it's a one mana one two. So they did buff its health, but instead of giving a plus one plus one, it gives a plus one plus zero, only buffing the attack of a creature in your hand, which is really relevant because there are a ton of elusives that are in range of things like Black Spear um, and like the, the Jinx card that does three damage and you have to discard something. Um, there are a lot of and a lot of cards that got out of range of early game removal because of Inspiring Mentor that now the elusive stay in range of some of that early game removal um, because Inspiring Mentor only, only hits their health. This is another change that I'm not upset about, although I do think this card will see a lot less play. Yeah, Inspiring Mentor is not as good now. Straight up. It's not bad, but it's not... It, it, this is a this is a huge nerf. It's yes. really big. This is probably um, the biggest gut, right, to any of the yeah, cards this is, this is, is Inspiring a, yeah. Mentor. And Inspiring Mentor, in my opinion, was a problem. I guess I didn't cover that, but every time I played against it, I would be like, okay, yeah, that that's... I, how did I... How did I miss that on our discussion? It doesn't matter. Inspiring Mentor needed to be nerfed. It needed to be gutted because it, it's just it was so mana efficient. It's so tempo efficient. Um, and and just the ability to kind of heck, even if it said grant a random ally in hand plus one plus one, that would still probably be too strong. Especially with all the recalling abilities, especially as with with recall, and that's what this card is supposed to do. Don't get me wrong. But with recall as a cost to play some overstatic creatures, when you're buffing the defense, it means that you, you know your opponent is almost never going to be able to get rid of those things. When Inspiring Mentor got off two or more times, I think you know win rate plummets for the opponent, especially with elusives. And it's just simply because removals there's not enough removal out there, to, you know, to really get around that. All they need is a you know you you might you might muster enough up and just enough points of damage to kill something and then you've spent all your resources trying to kill that one thing you know so this is this is really big will it see play still maybe i mean i think that i think they did a good job buffing the health up by one to compensate otherwise i don't think it would see play at all 
and plus one attack is still really good, but it's more, it's still aggressive, but it will not help you snowball your board state um, as an aggro player because that you need the defense really to snowball that board state as an aggro player. Here, okay, so here's my question. What if this card stayed the same? It was a, it gave a plus one, plus one, but it was a zero one, a one mana zero one. I, it would still be really strong, I think. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, giving because it's it's not so much about its stats; it's about where you place the buff mm-hmm. and the, the strategic placement of the buff on a Kinku Life Blade, you know, on a um, Shadow Assassin, whatever like that. That's what matters, you know. You put it on your champion, whatever champion you're running. You know, Zed. Put it on Zed, and all of a sudden, Zed gets a lot harder to deal with um and so like i i yeah it's not about the mentor because you're going to be bouncing the mentor more than you're really going to want to be trading with it i mean people would play the mentor and if i played another creature that could play that could kill it they'll never attack with it why because they want to recall it as a cost to play all those bigger creatures that that say hey to play this card you have to recall a great an ally well great i'm recalling a card i don't really want for its stats but i do want to transfer stats onto the things that I need to keep alive in the mid game. So yeah. Um, but yeah, but what's cool, but what's cool is jewel protector got a buff. Yep. And I mean, we didn't really see this card much at all. I never saw this played. I mean, maybe someone played it. Yeah. I hope they did. I but don't, I this don't, is, I didn't see it. This is really good because they buffed its power and health from three, three to four, four. And so now what you have uh, is a slightly understated, well, no, it, it definitely understated five drop, but not massively understated five drop. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, if you consider that before the jeweled protector was a delayed five mana six six, now it's a delayed five mana seven seven, which starts paying off for the delay a lot more. This takes it out of culling strike range, which, by the way, there's a lot of things getting taken out of culling strike range. Uh, <laughs> I was just talking about how great culling just, strike was. Just noticing uh, that. Yeah. Um, that's okay. I mean, I think Noxian Guillotine is is very good. Uh, so that don't even don't you even worry about that. Um, and it's the same mana cost. But uh, jewel, yeah. So jewel protector now. Uh, the four defense helps you a lot. It doesn't die to black spear. Like you just gotta look at those removal points and saying, okay, how many things does this does this not die to now? Because ultimately, like Runeterra is largely fairly forgiving when it comes to creatures' stat blocks because you can you can play slightly understated creatures uh, with less of a penalty because of the defenders assign. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the defender advantage means you can strategically place them and delay that value uh, a little bit. And I think it's it's less punishing as in a game like uh, Tessel, where the trade priority is with the attacker, where if you play something understated, it's going to immediately get bullied. Yes. Um, uh-huh. And so, like, this is a good change. I think it's, you know, it's got that prohibitive mana cost at five uh, so that, you know, you, you can't if you get to turn five, getting a plus three plus three buff on something is fine because, OK, you play that then on turn six. Well, one turn later or one spell mana later, you can just decimate it or whatever that seven drop. Vengeance. Spell. Vengeance. There it is. Decimate is something else. Decimate's the four damage to the face one. Yeah, you can vengeance it and it'll be fine. Uh, and so, like, I, I think this is just a good straight buff. I hope it sees play now. 
Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if it doesn't. I think five is still going to be too slow for it, but it would it be, depend, well, it it'd be cool if it did. Sure. I mean, this I, is only as good as you have something what you're important hitting. to buff. Yeah, yeah. right. It, 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 this card is here. They buffed it so that it can build around another card, really. Yeah, um, probably. And not, yeah, and not get Blackspeared for five mana. Yeah, yes. The next one is the uh, Kinikyu? Kinikyu? Kinku. Kinku. Kinikyu? Kinku. Yeah, sure that, yeah, yeah, it's definitely Kinku. Kinku Lifeblade. Um, it was a a, a four mana two three with elusive and is it drain? Is that what it's called? Yeah, that's drain. Yeah, drain. It, it's life steal, life steal, um, something like that. Yeah, whatever. The equivalent of ideal damage to you and I gain that much health. Um, it is now a two two instead of a two three. Um, which once again I think is obviously very very relevant. Yeah, this card will still see play in a hand-buffing strategy, but it's just not going to be quite as... So so here's the thing. Uh, between this and um, Inspiring Mentor, you would get like, oh, here's my, you know, four mana, four, four, elusive lifesteal. Like, that would happen quite commonly. Mm -hmm. um, and I think right now, between those two buffs together, they're basically saying we do not like... We don't want you buffing this Kenku Lifeblade in the early game. This guy, we want him to be. You can play him as a hand buffing strategy, you know, but you got to put more work into it now because lifesteal is so strong. Elusives being able to heal when the really their main punishment. I think they go into this in the article if I'm if I'm correct. You know, the main punishment was a, a faster deck that would force them to defend. Mm -hmm. Well, all of a sudden they don't have to defend now because they know they're going to drop that four attack life blade and kind of win the race. Yeah. So taking that, making it so, yeah, you can still play the life blade, but it's so much less efficient. You've got to put so much more work into buffing it between this and the inspiring mentor. They just basically broke up a buddy combo. That was a problem. Yeah. Uh, and so I think this is a, just a great change. I mean, right now the life blades health going down one. Um, really? I, I uh, personally, I felt that the mentor was a big enough, uh, you know, nerf to this card. But I don't mind them just saying, no, we're, we're just going to make sure that this thing is put in its place. Yeah, I think because so here's where the this card was powerful for me. It wasn't actually in its attacking. It was in its defending. Right. Because your opponent because yeah. you have the priority and because lifesteal happens both on your opponent's turn when you're defending and on your turn when you're attacking it meant i could throw this out on my turn attack with it and lifesteal to deal two damage to you on your turn when you attack me if you want to try to get a handful of tokens through i can stop one of those tokens and a 2-2 two -two and, and heal for two and still keep a 2-1 on the board with Drain that you can't do anything about and attack you again next turn. This makes that a lot... Like, this does not trade into nice two average. drops anymore. Um, So, uh, and I think that's important. Yeah, yeah I think that's well, important. It, it, it also dies to Avalanche now. Oh, yeah, that's... Okay, yeah, that's important as well. That's important yep. as well. So uh, I, I think a good change to this, I hope that it still sees play because quite frankly, I love the artwork on it. So um, yeah, I just it's think great. it's good. I, I, it's don't, cool I don't want this card to be completely removed. It's just, it was too, it was too easy. Too yep. easy before. So our next one is Commander Ladros. Commander Ladros before was an eight mana, uh, 
8-6 with Fearsome that when you played would cut the opponent's Nexus health in half. And I, I believe in that scenario it would round down. Um, we got a bunch of different changes. So it's now a 9-6 instead of an 8-6. So it got one more attack. But it also went up to 9 mana instead of 8 mana, which does matter. And when it cuts the Nexus health in half, it uh, it cuts it in half rounded up instead of rounded down. And uh, it does have the other ability that when it dies, it comes back to your hand. They didn't change anything with that. So that that's still happening. Um, Ladros was obviously a, a big problem in mid range decks. You could just play this thing and just it's an, it's just an, it, endless. It's just endless. And your opponent couldn't do anything about it if they couldn't purify it. And so, um, you know, against a control deck, you would just keep slamming this thing on the board over and over and over and over and again. And your opponent's life would go down and you would keep having an eight six with fearsome. Um, I don't know that it stops it from happening. The changes that they made. You know, well, OK here um two things one what was really cool is i started running into a ton of these ladros rasa control decks mm -hmm. atrocity and what was really cool uh <laughs> was playing stun yasuo like i think i had a really high win rate with it because one of the best things is to say no sorry ladros uh you're gonna stay on the board because i'm gonna stun you every turn and your stats aren't gonna matter and I'm going mm. to smash you in the face with Yon and Yasuo because you can't defend, which is kind of the win condition of the late game Yasuo, but that's not what we're here to talk about. Um, I think I largely am okay with Ladros existing as a late game win con, um, but I like what they did here, which is the most annoying thing to me, uh, and because it, it's like, is that it would round down on the cutting the life in half. This mm -hmm. is going to save you, if you're playing against a Ladros deck, it's going to save you at least one point, but usually two or even three uh, throughout the game. Uh, and so, like, that's so relevant. I lost a game um, that was really close by a margin of exactly one point that if it didn't round down, I would have been fine, right? Um, so, that I mean, that, that's pretty huge. But here's, here's the other thing. Um, I do like it going up in cost. Uh, when it gets slammed on curve, it just doesn't allow those, you know, either other control decks or a mid-range deck or even an ag Well, aggro is not going to like that matchup. And, it, you know, aggro and a Ladros deck, either Ladros deck is one if it's dropping Ladros, probably by running the opponent out of resources, uh, or the aggro deck is about to win and Ladros doesn't do enough to stop it. But um, I do feel that, like, uh, I'm okay with Ladros existing as this end-all, be-all, like, let's get this game over with in the next turn or two, because I do feel like there's enough ways to play around it if you're playing, uh, if you're going wide enough. I mean, that's their whole turn on nine. It's And if you're attacking, well, they just dropped one big defender, but if you have three medium-sized attackers, you're probably still closing the game out. Or in the case of stun or recall abilities, just get it out of the way before you attack. And if they've just played it to defend with, you bounce it, they can't play it again. And that's the biggest like cost that Ladros has, which is that it tends to be you play it, deal, you know, however much damage to cut the Nexus in half, but then you still have to wait till the next turn to finish the game out, typically. Yeah. Right. And if it your opponent have, can it, just because, deal with tall guys. Well, 
or just ignore it. Just like you just ignore it and close the game out by ignoring it. If this had breakthrough, it would be a totally another matter because yeah. it doesn't have breakthrough. I think fearsome is totally fine for something like this. I think fearsome is a perfectly fine mechanic, by the way. It it's going to punish, you know, weenie decks and that's fine. If you can't get a creature up to 3 attack, I don't know what you're doing. You know? <laughs> uh so I I think fearsome is fine personally. Uh I I think Lagos going up in cost just it, it one more time like it said, it's the opportunity cost. It slows down the game win condition and it gives the opponent one more turn to do things. I think this is a great change because mm -hmm. I didn't have a problem with Lagos in the first place. Yeah, it, it breaks Rasa, up the, on the other hand. Well, well, yeah, that's the next one. But my just my last thought and then tell us about what happened to Rasha. Um, it broke up a little bit of a curve, too, because Shadow Isles had Hecarim into Rasha into Ladros, and they yeah, don't have that exact curve right now, which is good. So tell yeah. us what we did with Rasha. Yeah, Rasa's needed needed a needed a nerf. Um, I like Rasa. I like playing it. It's fun to play. It needed a nerf. Um, so before it was a seven mana seven five with fearsome, uh, that when you play it, kill the two weakest enemies if an ally died this round. Um, so in fact, I want to read what they wrote here. Let me pull it up. Uh, yeah, I, I have it. You want me to yeah. read it? Or yeah, you got I, it? I got it here. So yeah, Rasa offers consistent blowout potential across many matchups, and the required setup is cheap to achieve in Shadow Isles. That's the key there. The setup is cheap to achieve. I feel the same way about Black Spear, by the way. Uh, this <laughs> often makes Rasa difficult for opponents to profitably play around and can leave them in a rough state where they know they're going to get Rasa'd, but there's not much they can do about it. The rate was just too favorable, so we're bumping Rasa up to eight mana in order to give opponents more room to play against it. Okay, here's the biggest thing I have to say about Rasa, and then I, I am really interested to hear if you think this is enough. Rasa is still going to see play. It's still going to be strong. Um, but it, it's slower now. You wait longer, and it gives your opponent time, one more turn, to dump some weenies on the board to protect against Rasa. And here's the other thing. Rasa needed to get nerfed because its biggest counter got nerfed. Its biggest counter is deny. Because you mm -hmm. can deny Rasa's ability, which is devastating. The problem is, in decks where Rasa was part of the win condition, usually with Ladros, or you know, and uh, and like you'd run vengeance, and occasionally even the decimation. Uh, that's what's called, right? The nine drop, the board wipe. Uh, no, the ruination. The ruination. The ruination. I'm trying to fit decimate into everything. Yeah, you're trying to get decimate in there. Yeah, try decimate's got to get in there. Uh, yeah. So so with ruination, you know, there are so many things you need to deny. Uh, that Rasa became, you know, heck, even if it drops down and you remove the first Rasa. You got another couple Ladroses before the game's over, and it, you know two more Rasa still in the deck. Not to mention Vengeance slowing you down early in the game. You probably already use it. Rasa is a there's there were just so many kill effects within that same late game, uh, and deny getting nerfed meant would have meant without this. And I I don't I'm waiting to see what you think. But I'm not certain it's enough. Rasa, not. You know, it's direct counter being nerfed. This needed to get touched as well, or it would have gotten significantly worse. It would have gotten significantly more powerful by nature of something else not being played as often. So, Rasa, yeah, that's uh, the the rundown. What do you think? Is it enough? I don't. My uh, this is another one where I'm kind of up in the air with it, right? So there was just something about turn seven 
where you you and your opponent were still battling for the board in such a way that oftentimes your your opponent would take favorable trades defending and leave their two most powerful creatures left on the board. And then you would Rasa their two most powerful creatures, right? Um, and I don't know if at turn eight that will change, but it's it's possible that at turn eight, you're at a slightly different place in the game enough that you aren't battling for board quite as much as what you were during turn seven. Because that's really what Rasa was so ridiculous at, was that you could you could manipulate the board in such a way that your opponent felt like if I do block them and I get Rasa, I lose. If I don't block them, I lose. And so you're like, well, my out is that they don't have Rasha in their hand. And that's that's my out. Um, or you have deny. Or you have deny in hand, right? In, in uh, you know, sometimes you didn't because you denied a vengeance or something beforehand, right? So I, I'm curious. I have not played. I've played Rasha once on eight. Didn't feel bad. It didn't feel bad because I'm not even after the seven, five body. I don't really care. Um. If, if it had been a seven mana two two, I might have still played it if I knew it was going to kill two of my opponent's best creatures, right? Maybe not that it could be denied. That might be an exaggeration, but um, uh, I don't know. It, it's kind of up in the air for me. I I hope it's enough. I think it's important that it can't come down the turn after Hecarim, because one of the other problems was like they would attack with Heck, and then that would be two ephemerals that would die, and you knew they would die. So then they could Rasa guaranteed, right? Because the ephemerals were going to die no matter what. You couldn't yeah. do anything about it. The fact that this gives you an extra turn to deal with Hecarim before they can Rasa you, I think is also relevant. I think that's important. I mean, I'm just curious. I, I don't know yet. Uh, it, it, it's sort of up in the air for me. I, I still think it's going to see play at eight, though. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it will still see play. I don't think this is enough to remove it from the game. Not that I want that. It is an exceptionally powerful effect and something that, like, I would be... And they, and they even say, like, you know, we're looking at control. You know, we're, we're not just saying, this is the final iteration. So, like, I, I think Rasa they're going to keep looking at. And I, and I... Kill the two weakest enemies is very good. And like, like I said if it had a higher or harder to achieve cost to it, I think it would be a very I think It'd be fine. Um, but you know, you, you have to, you know, if an ally died this round, that's so easy to do. It's mm -hmm. so, especially, especially because you have an action window after conflict, mm -hmm. you know, if you didn't, if it was play everything fight next turn, then this card would be, a lot or, more not, difficult. A, a lot harder to pull off. Maybe it would still see play, especially at seven. Uh, but it would be a lot harder to pull off because then you'd need to combo it with Glimpse Beyond or something like that, or Raven's Butcher. But because you can pass, swing, make a trade, then have an action window to drop Rasa, and you don't even care that you didn't attack with them because you're you know neutering their board. So yeah, uh, Rasa the Sunderer, still good in my opinion, but you know we'll see. Uh, but so then we get uh, two buffs and a nerf. A uh, lot of changes to Shadow Isles. 
Yes, uh, all three are let's, Shadow let's Isles. Walk, let's walk. Now, you play a lot of Shadow Isles, so uh -huh. walk me through these two buffs. Are these cards you use? So Scuttlegeist, I've, I've used a ton of. So the first one is a 10-mana 5-5 five, five called Scuttlegeist that costs one less for each ally that died this game. I have played a ton of this card in my Hecarim Zed deck because Hecarim and Zed summon ephemerals that are going to die at the end of the turn. And so it wasn't uncommon by turn six or seven if I had these in my hand for them to cost one and sometimes nothing because I also had shark chariots in there that kept getting resummoned. And if they got resummoned and they die again, it counts as two ticks towards Scuttlegeist. It doesn't count as one. So your shark chariots, if you summon a shark chariot three times, this thing now costs seven. So um, it, it, I did play them a lot. The buff is it's now a 10 mana, 5-5 five, five with the same ability that now has fearsome. So it can't be blocked by little guys. Um, I, I think that's really strong. The other thing is the Tortured Prodigy. Um, it is, it's a, I've never even knew this card existed. So it was a five mana, three, three that said, when an ally dies, refill your spell mana, which is cool. Um, so an ally dies and you effectively get, if you have no mana, three mana, um, now it's a five mana, four, four, instead of a five mana, three, three, which we've already talked about the importance of getting above that three health threshold <laughs> rip, rip calling strike <laughs> yeah a third thing that went above calling strike and out of the out of the range of a couple of other removal spells on the health side of things so um i i i this is one of the buffs that i'm most excited about because i really like scuttlegeist i intend to play some shark chariot stuff and run these in it so uh you know me personally i'm excited about these changes uh, I'll, I still probably won't even touch Tortured Prodigy because I don't, I don't yeah. think I care about Here, it still. But Here's the thing about Tortured Prodigy that's a little bit like... I, I'm sure eventually there'll be a deck where it's played because a lot of times it just takes more cards into the card pool to incentivize you to take something like Tortured Prodigy in. Tortured Prodigy is a card that wants to encourage you to play control spells way more often like playing those vengeances and, and not feeling bad about it. The thing is, you need two things to achieve that. One, you need the time to set up this understated creature that has absolutely zero impact on the board. Uh, that's the first thing. The second thing is you, you need to still be running the combos to enable your allies to die to get that spell mana back. And side, you know, a point two B, point, point two point five. Uh, you also need to be in the situation where you don't already have spell mana when that creature dies. Otherwise, this card's effect is not going to be useful. And then most importantly, point three, you need enough resource extension to fully utilize all that spell mana. Because if you don't have spells to play for the spell mana, this card is bad. And so like, Imagine top decking this card on an empty hand or a one or two card hand. Yeah, it's Heck, a five mana four even, four. Yeah, it's a five mana four four that has zero impact. And so, you know, it, it's one of those things that like this card, it would it would be a card that would see play in a combo deck that can kill things and cast spells. You know, oh, whenever the creature dies, you know, put a mystic flare in your hand. Like I can see it, I can see a situation in which this card would be good and maybe even like you know, a disciple of Namira level enabler card, right? Or like a, what's it, what, you know, the mm -hmm. uh, Lelandro Hex Mage enabler card, right? I can see that world, but I don't see that world existing right now. And most importantly, I don't see it ever 
I don't see this card beating just being smart with your mana. <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah, you know, the one world where I see it being useful is like if you play this a one of with a, a deck that ran spiders and glimpse beyond, and then you know you sack a one and a you you sack a one one to draw two and gain a mana effectively, right? Because you pay two for glimpse beyond and then you refill yeah, back up to three. The card is good with glimpse beyond. But that's yes. about it right now. But there's a lot of other cards that are good with glimpse beyond. Yes, <laughs> which is the one card that I I hoped to see a uh, a nerf that yeah, I we, didn't we see. Yeah, we we all pretty. I think I think Silverfuse agreed that she felt like Glimpse Beyond could receive a nerf. If I remember, not to put words in her mouth, but I I think I remember her generally agreeing. Yeah. But I that's something I was pretty certain to see, and and as we're getting here to the end of the list, uh, we have not seen that. And you know what I think is interesting about it, I I am not upset. I thought I would be like, oh, they didn't nerf Glimpse Beyond. But I'm not upset because I think that seeing these nerfs and what they decided to attack um, gives me a more informed idea of what kind of nerfs they want to be taking and the fact that they're willing to buff things. And I think, like, let's let's be real. You know what's really good against, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, against tokens, like 1-1 one, one tokens? Um, you know, beefy back-end uh, Battle Scars creatures that can trade and get bigger or generate value, like Crimson Curator. Uh, so, I, yeah, I mean, just generally speaking, I think Glimpse Beyond was a little much, but I'm, I'm good with it because I think the direction they're taking with a lot of these other things, like they're... It, it, what it signals to me is that they have a vision for what the meta is going to look like. And the glimpse beyond is still part of that vision. Mm -hmm. And because I'm looking at a lot of these changes and agreeing with them and liking the direction they're taking, whether they end up being enough or not, and also really liking their justification for it. It just gives me a little bit of blind faith, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I've had uh, the, the, these things have made me feel a little bit more confident, right? In yeah in the changes we're gonna make let's talk about the last one the last one's wraith color this this card saw a ton of play you know i don't know like maybe like a third and third and fourth week the game's released um i think we're maybe in week four right now or maybe we're in week five um it's a four mana four three that if you hit allegiance which is you know the top card of your deck is um another shadow isles card you will summon a mist wraith and we're not going to go through mist wraith what it was or what it is but now Wraith Caller is just that. It's a four mana four three, where before it was a four mana four three with fearsome. So now it can be, you know, chump blocked by one ones. Um, and uh I I think this was I think this was good. I think that the four mana four three summon a two two that buffs other two twos in your deck, and they both have fearsome was a, was too strong. Um Wraith Caller was an enormous power spike in these Shadow Owls decks, just an enormous power spike um on four. Uh, I played a lot of it. It's very strong. I'll tell you this. I'm still playing it. Still super strong. It's not bad still. It's still a good card. Because, it, yeah, this is maybe one of the only ones I don't like, this this nerf, because I think they missed the point here. And uh, I know I immediately, I know I immediately contradict what I just said. But 
I see what they're saying here, which is, hey, you can block it. It's a nerf. It is a straight-up nerf. But the reason Wraithcaller was strong is because you can build the deck to ensure that Allegiance almost always goes off. Mm -hmm. By the way, there's enough Shadow Isles cards that that's perfectly fine. Shadow Isles is one of probably the best faction overall. Definitely the most self-sufficient faction, a faction that doesn't need to go and raid other other factions to exist. Yeah, so this is where um, the a lot of natural the synergy. Sense. Right, there's a lot of natural synergy, uh, even amongst amongst the different subtypes. Right. Um, so here's the thing, because because like, and I want to. I'm sorry, I'm slightly off topic, but we have different subtypes within the different factions. Um, so you've got some controlling freezing stuff in Frailior, but then you also have like the I'm damaged and I'm going to buff my wounded creatures, right? Mm -hmm. um, and those don't necessarily you really coexist super well together. But you have in Shadow Isles this, uh, uh, I'm going to kill my own guys uh, and whatever my allies die stuff happens. But then you also have Ephemerals, which is the other kind of big subtype that's pushed, except that Ephemerals also trigger things like Rasa trigger things yes. like when my ally dies and so there's this extra layer of synergy between the subtypes which enables an allegiance themed deck to really perform well because there's just more natural synergy than there is in other things so um i just wanted to kind of explain my thought there but the reason why wraith call is really strong is since you know you're gonna roll it you're getting a four mana six five yeah it's distributed that's yep. a lot of stats for the mana cost. A at, lot. At with least added, a six five. With the yeah, at, at minimum a six five. With the added upside of, hey, I've got fearsome, and even on the two two, the fearsome's good. You know, so um, I think this should have been brought down to a three three as well. Uh, yeah. And then I think it would be worth. I mean, I still think it's a good. It's it's still a nerf. And. It, that's okay. Like it, it's still a nerf, but I think people are still going to play it. I think it's still going to be strong. I don't know if this is enough, but keep in mind, just because the wraith caller nerf isn't, you know, they didn't go overboard on wraith caller doesn't mean wraith caller won't get edged out by shifts in the meta from all the other stuff that happens. So that's always something to keep in mind with balance changes, mm -hmm. or in the future when allegiance doesn't become as viable and it's harder to pull off. This card well, falls out. I mean, well. That's the thing, though. Allegiance scales with more cards. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So yeah. my thought, my initial thought was I would rather have seen this thing as a four mana three three that keeps fearsome and then make and then make a change to um, Mist Wraith and get rid of fearsome on Mist Wraith. Um, eh, it, I it, mean, I I think just the, I think it's just too much stats for the cost. I think that's just straight up what the problem is. Well, and, that could be it, the case. It, but here, 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 my reason it's anti thematic. It drives me nuts that the Wraith Collar does not have fearsome, so it's not scary. But the Mist Wraith is the scary thing. It, 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 it just irks me that this the cool, the, smaller, the, the thing. smaller thing that gets summoned by the bigger thing is thematically scarier than the bigger thing. It, 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 it irks <laughs> gonna... me. I'm going to nitpick real fast here, but let's say you have a demon summoner. The demon summoner is just a dude, but when he summons the demon, what thing are you actually scared of? 
Well, yeah, the but big, this, scary demon. this guy is what a, I think this is getting at, right? This like, guy isn't right? a demon summoner. He's a ghost. He's a scary looking ghost with a well, with and a, maybe and maybe the wraith color should just look like this dude, look like a dude. Maybe if maybe so. If, wait, here's the thing: it, uh, if they nerf the card art, are you happy? As in, if they make yes. the card art look yes. less scary. I am. I am. I am. I am. <laughs> nerf, nerf card art, please. I am, because do you know what? the uh, Thinking about the Elder Scrolls Legends, you had the the one, the, like the six mana one, two that summoned a five, five with guard. No problem with that whatsoever. But I have a problem with this because it looks scarier than the mystery to me. I want it to have fearsome. I don't like it. But yeah, nerf yeah, the card the, art. The Atronach guy. Yeah. Yeah. Give this guy the like. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, so basically, nerf wraith collar art. Got yes, it. that's my comment. Oh man, they say in here um, that they're keeping an eye on fearsome right. and control. Uh, what is there anything else on the agenda? I I don't think so. Um, outside of, I I was just gonna I'm say that out on me a little bit. Oh, uh, I thought I might I be. That. Sorry. I thought I thought I might have been cutting out on you. Can you hear me right now? Yes. Okay, great. So um, I, I, the only thing I was going to bring up is that they did say that they're keeping an eye on both fearsome and control, that that has made a watch list for them. I, I, there's probably some other things. There's a lot of quality of life improvements that I just want to give them a round of applause and say, bravo, bravo. I like the quality of life improvements that you made. And there's some stuff I want to get into in a future episode about how some of the XP changes, but maybe not for this one. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, 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 yeah, I'm largely happy with that stuff. I don't pay attention to a ton of it. Uh, you know, you get into the nitty gritty of the patch notes, frame rates and stuff. And I'm, I, my eyes glaze over and I'm like, tell me what the cards are different. Uh, but, uh, yes, I agree. And I think that they're on the right track with this, with this, uh, balance patch. And, um, of course, uh, if you guys have any questions, and this is something that like, I, I kind of want to, I mean, because i think we're getting near the end of our episode here yeah yeah, um, yeah. we're closing by out all means now. uh we're gonna be you know we've been kind of been talking about this uh with the admins and stuff like that but we're gonna be looking on trying to maybe do some i don't know promotional stuff or just something to get you guys more engaged with the content on the show but something i really i think i trust that you guys have dope ideas we have a page that goes often somewhat unutilized called podcast q a and i almost wonder if we need to change the title of that but that's another discussion but if you guys have cool ideas for segments um or like you know or you just want to know hey what's mark's top five favorite cards in the game right now anything like that is something we'll totally work in uh if you guys give us those ideas and of course if we get a really cool idea and we end up doing it we'll shout you out on the podcast too because it'll be your idea you know, so top five lists or, you know, whatever. Mark pronouncing a name. Ian guessing stupid League of Legends lore. Uh, whatever it is. Uh, I think like that could be, that could be fun. So don't hesitate. If you have an idea, throw it in the podcast Q&A. We might use it. And, and I just, I'm interested to hear what you guys want to hear from us. Yeah, and if you're going to throw something in the podcast Q&A, the only way to effectively do that is to join the Discord. Um, so I'll throw a link to joining the Discord in the show notes, um, but join the Discord and come hang out with us. We've had a lot of new people who've come and joined the Discord, and a couple of those people have even become new patrons of the show. 
So I want to give a quick shout out here. Um, we did relaunch the Patreon page for the show, which goes to support what we're doing here. So if you're listening to this and you do not want to support us because you were, um, a, you know, a, a supporter of us at one time and but we're not covering what you want to be covered anymore, um, you know, don't hesitate to reach out and let us know and, and cancel that. But if you are supporting us, thank you so much for supporting us. Um, and, and thank you. There was somebody new. I, I think it's Jake. Um, Jake S. So Jake S. Thank you so much for supporting us and will a will a as well who is new um supporting us thank you so much and thank you to all of those folks who have been supporting us and are continuing to support us um we really appreciate it so so thank you thank you so much for for your support of what we're doing here over at legends cast and if you want to become a supporter because we're probably going to be doing some some paint some stuff for just the patrons in the future we don't know exactly what that looks like but we're going to be talking about that and, and coming up with some ideas um go over to patreon.com slash legends cast and uh and you can find our page there and show your support over there every every dollar um every penny every every dime makes a difference so thank you to anyone who's supported what we're doing here yeah and uh real fast i do want to do something that i've been meaning to do and i forgot last episode uh but i want to shout out our amazing admin group um, so we've got three guys who help out just a ton behind the scenes, help out with our social media and getting um, all the stuff pulled together to promote the episodes and stuff like that. They're active in our Discord. They're awesome people. We play video games with them uh, sometimes just in casual fun time. Uh, so uh, uh, it's Beefquake, uh, Jeff, and Veril are all just super awesome. If you see them on the Discord, uh, just chatting about stuff. They're very active, but you can maybe even throw them a special little thanks for all the work they do. You know, I think a lot of the people on the Discord don't even know how much work they do keeping the Discord up and running, you know, uh, putting the bots in, you know, helping people out, directing them, greeting new people when they join the Discord. It's just been super awesome. They even helped me kind of, I was running the Twitter and not doing a very good job of it because I'm too busy and and it, it's it's a it was a layer of stress that i just was struggling with and and they've been stepped up and helped out with that too so um yeah they're awesome and so if you guys are chatting with them you know just give them a little thanks yeah i mean it's literally it is nothing for me to to jump on discord and swing down to the hidden channel that most people can't see and jump in the admin and, and see like 15 or 20 comments between the, the admins planning stuff for the discord and uh, things for the show and improvements, making suggestions, giving us feedback um, that I didn't even know was happening throughout the day. Uh, that it, it, that is often, uh, often that happens because yeah. they are as committed to what we're doing in, in many ways as we are. Um, and they are really committed to making our discord a very welcoming environment that's super supportive um, and a really safe place, which I deeply, deeply appreciate because my own personal convictions aren't even shared by everyone who I'm working with on the show. And but we all have the same common thought and, and the same common conviction that we really want our discord to be a really safe, really awesome place for people to come and not just engage about Legends of Runeterra and other card games as well. Um, but also to actually, you know, make online friends. And so 
um, which are real friends. So it, it is a really good place. So thank you so much, guys, for all that you're doing. We, we really appreciate it. Yeah. Um, really, really do. I don't know about you, uh, DBN, but I, I think, is it okay if we just throw your YouTube, uh, a link to your YouTube and to, to my Twitch page up in the, yeah, uh, the show notes? We don't run through it. We don't really need to run through it uh, every time. Uh, so yeah, we'll just link uh, relevant information to the show notes as well as Discord uh, invite stuff. Yeah, you know. And if you guys ever have a hard time getting into the Discord or have any questions about anything like that, of course you can ask in the general thread or anything. But you know, if you're if you're looking for something specific, you know, you can always uh, message one of us. Uh, you know, I'm on Twitter. Uh, we also have now our Legends Cast Twitter page is up and active and running. Um, you can DM that. I'll see it as well as uh, I think Jeff is helping out with that. And yeah, I think Beefquake, Beefquake as well. As well. Yeah. yeah, both of them are are helping out with that, which is dope. So one of us will see it and be able to direct you, give you some help uh, with any of that stuff. And really, that's that's what we're here for. And of course, mm-hmm. if you do get on the Discord page and you have a question, you know, uh, for me or or Mark or anything like that, you can always just message us that goes for anyone you know we may not get to it quickly but we will get to you uh and we will you know try to help out or just hey here's a cool deck or hey do you have any tips for this deck i wouldn't necessarily listen to me uh but you know i can i can give you my feedback (laughs) uh so you know um yeah we're always happy to chat with you guys don't feel um intimidated yeah that's the exact opposite of what we're going for (laughs) yeah yeah no we're we're pretty pretty connected and you know if all else fails you can actually email us at eslegendscast at gmail.com eslegendscast at gmail.com i check that gmail account probably like three or four times a week and so um because i'm not on social media and you can't get a hold of me there you can get a hold of me through that email account um be more than willing to, to touch base with you or help you get plugged into the uh the Patreon page or to the Discord or to whatever it is that you're looking for. Um, Okay, that about does it for uh, episode three, four of season Uh, two. Four Four of season two. Yeah, man, they just go, they go blowing past. So uh, we'll be back up to 25 before the game ends. Yeah, uh (laughs) (laughs) uh-huh. We better be. We better. I'm not as late in the game on this game as I was the last one. Uh, okay, well, that's going to do it for us here at Legends Cast. Thank you so much for tuning in with us and make sure you come back and check us out next week. Thanks for listening to Legends Cast. This episode was made possible by listeners like you. If you want to become a supporter of the show, visit patreon.com slash legendscast or leave a rating and review wherever it is that you listen to podcasts.